Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Um, thank you guys again. We're going to get into our series, our message today, and we're continuing a message uh, series called Loser. Look at your neighbor and just say, Loser. I appreciate those of y'all who just refrain from doing that. You're like, no, I'm not going to call him a loser. No, it's too much. Um, we're in part two of, of our series, and today's message uh, is called As Expected. As Expected. And I think that one of the most peculiar things in our culture is that there's a presumption of what we're supposed to be like. There's an expectation, and everyone just meets the, this life as expected. I think the craziest, scariest things in the world is driving on the highway. Because you just believe everyone is going to drive as expected, right? And the it takes so much incredible faith. The most faith you can ever see in, in, in the world is that you, we all trust complete strangers we've never met or had a conversation with to not go over a painted line. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're, if you've ever driven on a two-lane highway, you're both coming at each other 70 miles an hour, not even, sometimes not even a foot apart from each other. Maybe two feet. And you're coming zooming, playing chicken, but you have incredible faith that that person's going to drive as expected, that they're not going to cross over this invisible barrier and crash into you. You just believe that they're going to behave expectedly, right? What about when your life is not going as expected? I... Uh, I once said that life is a lot like playing Russian roulette. As soon as you're born into this world, every day is just either a click or a bang. And some people, as soon as they get started, it's a bang. There's other people that just get clicks. They even start rolling that chamber extra. And just click, click, feels invincible. But eventually, someone gets that bang, right? So other people that they just pl- try to play this game once, and the first time that they ever try to, to spin the chamber, it's a bang right away. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And for us, when we're not really wanting to play this game of life that's like Russian roulette, whenever your life is not going as expected, when it feels like, your blood is boiling. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When it feels like your chest is about to cave in. When it's hard for you to get up in the morning. And you can't even imagine what you're going to do in the next year, in the next five years, because you can't even see past today. Because your life is not going as expected. A lot of us look at a, our childhood like that, where our childhood is not what we expected it to be. And it just messes us up. And yet, 
We respond to every person as expected. Like everything's fine. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. I feel like the more times you say good in a response to how are you doing is the more bad you feel. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good, good, good. It's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> He's really trying to avoid that. <laughs> and have you ever been in a situation where you're in this horrible spot and someone tries to give you advice and it's almost like, especially in our Christian culture, our advice is to just like keep on trucking. That's what we're told is just keep on trucking. It's, there's this unspoken pressure to always be okay. Always be okay. Always be fine. Even through struggles. An expectation not to react. You ever have seen someone going through hell and when they react crazy, you're just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I know it's bad, but you don't have to do all that. Right? Isn't that our culture mantra to just continue on as expected? Don't actually live or act or react like something horrible just happened. Just continue on like normal. Just store everything up and don't freak out. I had to take a psych evaluation for um, going into juvenile justice ministry. And I'll be honest, I felt bad that I had to lie about so many things. <laughs> That's a joke, right? <laughs> or is it? And, <laughs> and there's so many different... One of the questions was like, have you ever lost control of your emotions by yelling or, or smashing something? course not right <laughs> who would react to a emotional distress <laughs> no <laughs> i just acted as expected everything's fine see that it's like in our culture we're conditioned to believe that we're all in this box and that no one is actually really going crazy and i feel like that's a moment where we truly start believing like we're losers inside because it seems like everybody else is okay and we're the only ones freaking out. Right? And while a lot of people are good at living like this, we, we really can't handle it. I mean, the stress of just not really reacting to difficult circumstances, when you just bottle that in, it drives you crazy. It, it's been, there's some studies that say that it causes tumors and cancers and all kinds of stuff when you just hold all that stress in. It's been clinically proven that stress kills you. And that even worse, the more stress you hold in, the, the worse it is for your health. How did they find that out? Because everybody holds in their stress. They were able to examine it. I want to read y'all this, this scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 5. This is Paul talking. He says, That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I'll boast only about my weaknesses. I'll boast only about my weaknesses. He just got done saying that he has something that he could boast about. 
but he's not going to. He's only going to talk about his weaknesses. Of course, this is the exact opposite in our culture. I mean, everyone wants to put their best foot forward. I know that on our social media, especially with our church social media, we don't even want a picture to look like there's nobody in the room. (laughs) We want it to look like we have something to be proud of, that there's tons of people going to church. Now, if we had no one show up for our services, which we've had, <laughs> you think we want to put a picture of that? Like, so grateful that no one showed up today. God is good. Church is growing in the spirit. <laughs> no, we, we want to boast about whatever possible good thing we can boast about. Why in the world would we want to boast about a weakness? He goes on to say, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it. He's pretty much saying like, I got one over all (laughs) y'all because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Just got real deep, right? Paul all of a sudden went like, I'm so better than all y'all, but I'm not going to talk about that. But honestly, guys, if I could tell y'all something, I have something that torments my soul every day. (laughs) He just went like from like, oh, I'm super confident to, oh man, I'm, I'm the weakest person you know. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, I I think that this verse is misinterpreted a lot. See, when we first read that, we think, well, if I'm weak, then I'll just get superpowers from God and I won't be weak anymore. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, indeed, I am weak. But it makes me just glorify God so much more because even though I feel like nothing, I see God move through me. And the way that we interpret this is that if you feel weak, you're not really supposed to be weak. You're just not trusting God enough because he would make you strong if you would just trust him more. We, we believe that weakness is our identity. And that if we accept that we're weak, well, then we're nothing. And that we're not really trusting God again. It always goes back into us being enough. And... It's incredibly humbling experience to realize that you're weak. I mean, really weak. I'm not, of course, y'all know I'm not talking about the gym. I'm not even talking about like you started a diet and you're like, I'm not going to eat sugar. Crystal said, don't eat sugar. (laughs) That's not weakness I'm talking about. That's, I'm talking about when you feel so weak down to your core, down to your soul, to where you even are acting out of character. You don't even feel like yourself anymore. 
Things that you used to be okay with now are making you angry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The dreams that you, you had at one time, all of a sudden you hate them because of how weak you feel and how far you once felt feels from you. Y'all get what I'm saying? And see, this weakness... It, it latches onto us and it, it's really the inner being of our soul at that moment. And at, it's at that point where people feel like they're the only ones who are really weak. Can I be completely honest with you guys? This January 27th coming up, when it hits 2020, it'll be 10 years that I've been sober, that I haven't drank any alcohol, that I haven't smoked any weed. I haven't done no cocaine or anything. I've taken an extra Tylenol pill here and there. But it'll be almost 10 years. And the, when I was in New York, it's marijuana is legalized over there. There's a moment where that, I, that inner craving of my soul rose up. And not only am I, I'm grieving through all, all that's happened and I'm there for a funeral and, and I'm exhausted. My soul is tired and I, I feel truly distressed and even disappointed in the whole situation. I'm hurt. I feel weak and vulnerable. And there is a moment where I started thinking in my head, Man, I could, I could smoke weed right now. I could legally do that, and it would be okay. And it's almost like I felt like a fiend again. And I started thinking in my head different ways I could go and do that, and no one else would have to know. I felt like a fiend. And it did something in my heart when I realized the way I was thinking. I realized I still had that that addict in me, that weak part of me that's still there. And even though for almost 10 years I've been so strong to where it's like, oh, now screw that. All of a sudden in this moment, I felt so weak, so incredibly weak. And I was thinking outside of my character. I was thinking outside of the person that I am, the person that I've become. And I started thinking just like the person I used to be like. And it's in moments of weakness like that that I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm saying? I didn't, by the way, just in case you're like, so Homer got high over there. <laughs> but see, that, that's what is so hard for me to accept is that it was so difficult for me to resist at that moment. At that moment of weakness. And there is part of me that started to believe that nothing has changed in me. That that moment of weakness was actually an identity of weakness. That being weak is just who I am. Being a tempted man is just who I am. Being somebody that cannot handle a situation without the use of this or that, that's just who I am. I'm just a that weakness. Y'all feel what I'm saying? 
And it's in moments like that that everybody goes through at some point where they believe it's their identity instead of a moment in time. It's a state of being in that moment of being weak. But it's not your identity. And so many people leave their whole Christianity, their faith, their families. You know know how many people get divorced and leave their whole families just because they feel like in that moment of weakness they're not enough to support their family emotionally, monetarily. They think, I'm so weak right now, they'd be better off without me. That's how so many people leave their families because they think that their weakness is an identity when it's just a moment. I mean, when you think of people that, there's people that were married 11 years and all of a sudden get a divorce. 16 years and get a divorce. I mean, that's terrifying to me. I just celebrated my seventh anniversary and it, it feels like a long time. And, and to think, man, 11 years and somebody after this moment, four years from now is that someone would feel completely different than right now. Isn't that terrifying to you guys? When it comes to faith, I, there's people that have been Christians for nine years and then have completely abandoned their faith and go back to the world. And just give up and say, it's too much, I can't take it. And they go back to doing things exactly how they used to be. And it, it makes me think about these moments of weaknesses. Because in the church, when that happens, I'm not saying our church specifically, but when that happens, what do Christians think when they talk, talk about that person that used to be there? Well, they just, I guess they're just not really a Christian. They were, that marriage just wasn't real. That, but the, the, we start making up these ideas that those were just losers. That that marriage wasn't really a marriage for those nine years, ten years. That they weren't really chasing after God all this time, all these years. That it just caught up with them. But see, it's a moment of weakness that every person gets to where we make drastic decisions that we can't turn back from. We make huge decisions in these moments of weakness and we don't believe that we're ever going to be strong again. Is that anyone here? And the acceptance of these moments, when you just truly accept that this weakness is temporary, that's temporary, And that it's not that you're not strong enough, but it's that your circumstances are incredibly difficult that your arms have gotten tired. You ever hold something above your head for so long and at the beginning, it's like, I freaking could do this all day. But even with no weight at all, your arms would get tired and fall. Isn't that right? See, we're, we're not made to be conditioned to be strong forever. We might be able to handle something in life for so long until eventually we're too weak. And it's in those moments where Paul is 
all this verse he's saying is like, hey man, in the moments that you're weak like I am, and I've done amazing things. That's why he starts off saying how strong he is. Because he says, look how strong I am that I could talk over any one of you because I've done more things than any of you. And yet I'm telling you that I have these weak moments. That I have these weak areas. And so no matter how strong you feel, know that I'm stronger and I'm just as weak as you feel. Y'all dig that? And when you recognize that you're in a moment of weakness... That it's not your identity, but a moment. It helps you to look for what you actually need in that stage of life. And you really got to talk to the right kind of people. You know, us going through, uh, me having to go to this funeral this last week, I'm reminded of other funerals I've been to, and I've seen some of the dumbest things said at funerals. And at one, one funeral I went to, this guy, he may or may not have been the minister at the funeral, but someone was crying, and he's walking by, and he's, why are you crying? You should be celebrating, because now they're in heaven. And I remember just thinking, and I know that the Bible says not to do this, but I'm being transparent with my weakness And the first thing I thought is, idiot. (laughs) Because it's like in a moment of tremendous weakness, the death of a loved one, church just expects you to be strong anyway. Why would you be grieving? Don't you know they're in heaven? It's like you can't be weak for one moment because everyone tells you to feel better. Anyone have someone talk to you like that? I just feel like I've been real depressed. Well, you just need to be happy. Just be strong. You may feel incredibly weak. Just be strong, though. Y'all, is that not psychotic? Yes. Just, just act as expected. Act as expected from every, what everybody else expects of you, not what we would expect of you being actually depressed. Y'all dig what I'm saying? If someone goes and gets antidepressant medicine... It's like, no, you're just supposed to be strong. Why would you be getting that? Just be strong. Why, why would you allow yourself to be so weak? Is that, anyone have conversations like that before with anyone? Or See, we're just told to just keep on going that you're not really weak. You just think you are. But when you actually accept that you're in a moment of weakness, it helps you to talk to the right people. And that when someone gives you dumb advice, it helps you understand that it's dumb advice. If you know that you're weak and you accept that you're in a weak moment of life and someone tells you, no, you're strong actually, you know, I probably shouldn't listen to the rest of this conversation too intently because they don't even recognize how weak I am. Why would I get advice from somebody that doesn't even recognize what I'm going through? Does that make sense? Common sense, right? And you got to allow yourself some grace. You got to allow yourself to know that this weakness you're feeling is, is normal and that the grace Paul is talking about is not this 
this fairy dust strength. And God can do that. Don't get me wrong. There's been times where I've been weak and I supernaturally felt stronger than I was. But I'm, this verse is really not describing that. And one thing that we commonly do because we don't, we don't accept that we're weak and is we hide. We isolate. When, we, when you feel weak, do you not start avoiding people in your life? You know, I felt, I, and I'll be transparent with you guys, I felt so incredibly weak ever since I got back to San Antonio after this trip. It, it took everything in me. And I felt so weak. And I usually talk to my dad almost every day. And there's, there's a lot of times where he was calling and I was, I was like, I can't talk right now. <laughs> I can't talk right now. And I wouldn't answer the phone because I felt so weak. And see, in the same way you isolate and hide yourself from those that you care about, especially from those you don't care about, we do it with God. That's why so many people stop going to church because they feel so weak. How can they face God and be strong? You're in a moment and say you're at church and it's worship and everybody's lifting your hands and you can barely lift your arms. Alligator status. That's what alligators can do. And it makes you just not want to be there. Because everyone else seems so strong and you feel so weak. And we, we start getting this image of God that he only wants us to be strong. Just always giving our best. But see, our best is different on different days, Right? Sometimes your best is like 3%. And that takes a lot. There's other days where it's like you can give 110%. And you show out. But this day, you're lucky if you can give 3%. We just hide from God. Just like we hide from others because we feel ashamed for not being strong enough. But it's actually in moments like this that we see God's grace the clearest. It's when we're battered and bruised that God is able to show us His desire to heal and nurture us. It's in our imperfections that God's perfect love is seen as a covering to our nakedness. And I think the most meaningful thought that we can get from moments that we feel weak is not that God, God's grace to make us strong. The moments that we feel hurt, it's not even God's ability to heal our hearts, to heal what we're going through. But I think what's most meaningful is God's desire to heal us. God's desire to assist us. That in a moment that you are in your head and in your feels and feel so weak that you, you tell God, I can't, even come, I can't pray to you right now. I feel so weak. I can't even say one word to you. I can't even audibly say something to you, God. How am I supposed to go to church? How am I supposed to read the Bible? How am I supposed to pray? I, I just can't. 
And I feel like God gives such a, just the sweetest whisper to us. He says, that's okay. I'll just sit with you. And it's like that knowing that God is willing to just sit with you when you can't do anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Moments where you, there's no way you could get the words out that God desires to just be there with you through it. Because He doesn't want you to go through it alone. I want to share a scripture about Peter. I, I think I most identify with Peter because he says stupid things and does stupid things. And he's kind of like passive aggressive. He cuts people's ears off just on the fly. And I think Ray and Juan thought I was about to cut somebody's ear off this morning when we got locked out of our house. But let me read y'all this scripture in John 21, starting in verse 1. It says, Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the sea, beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. You know, just pause right there for a second. This verse is commonly looked at as Peter's backslide. It's where the moment where he hasn't seen Jesus, he's not close, he doesn't feel close to God. And I've heard so many messages preached about how Peter going back to the things he used to do. Jesus called him away from fishing, said you're going to be a fisher of men now. And so it's a symbolic thing that he said, I'm going to go fishing. And it's, it seems as though he had intended to go alone, but the, the other disciples were good friends and were concerned and said, well, we're going to go too. And that right there is, is a perfect example of good friendship. It's where the disciples didn't start giving Peter advice. They didn't start telling him what he ought to do instead. Said, you're going to go back to your old things? Well, we're going to go and sit with you too. That's, those are some good friends. They didn't even have to tell him. You really shouldn't. You're better now, Peter. You're doing greater things. You have a purpose. God wants more for you. Just trust God. He's going to come back. He's going to speak to you. He's going to give you direction. You'll get through this. No, they just said, we'll come too. And it says they caught nothing all night. I've also heard it preached like a thousand times that when we go back to the things we used to do, it doesn't give us the same kind of pleasure or results that it used to give. And that we still feel empty. We still feel weak going to those old things. And then it says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows! Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. 
And this might be a peculiar look on the scripture, but I feel like this scripture shows God's heart, Jesus' heart in our weakness. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, backsliders, hey, runaways. He says, friends, you guys catch anything? He didn't condemn them. He didn't tell Peter, I can't believe you went back to where I got you from. I can't believe you didn't expect me to come and help you. Didn't you trust me that I would make you strong? Didn't you trust me that I would get you through? Didn't you trust me that I was going to tell you what to do next? Why would you go back to what you used to do? But instead, he asked them, how's it going out there? They're like, it's horrible. <laughs> We're not getting anywhere. And instead of Jesus taking another moment to correct or tell them why they haven't caught anything, I think the most amazing thing is that he says, well, why don't you just try going on the other side? And see, it's, it's like I had a moment like that where I had this image of Jesus for me. It's where I thought, man, God, you wouldn't even want to have anything to do with me if I fell into that temptation. If I were to get a joint, if I were to smoke, you'd have not wanted to have anything to do with me. And this verse really spoke to my heart. I felt like God was just ministered to my soul and said, see, you really don't understand how great my grace is, how perfect my love is. Because even if you did, I would have sat with you in your darkness. Even if you did, I would have been with you in your weakness. And even if you did, I would have still spoke to you in your imperfections. That it's impossible for me to be too dirty for God to want me. To want to be with me. And it's impossible for me to feel so weak that God would abandon me. I want us to take a sobering thought. Because we're so conditioned to see God's covering based off of our surrender. Our surrender. And in Christian world, when we surrender to God, it's a strength. Right? Whenever I go anywhere and I meet people that are not Christians, or maybe they believe in God, but they don't live like it. Whenever they hear my story of being sober and being clean and, and just living my life for God instead of a life of crime before, they're always like, man, you are so strong. See, surrender is a sign of strength. And does anyone else reflect on the moments that they didn't feel surrendered because they felt so weak that they weren't strong enough to surrender to God? Y'all know what I'm saying? And see, we're conditioned that God's covering for us is only based off of our works of surrender, our strength. But there's this amazing blanket of grace that covers even our shortcomings. It covers our stubbornness. It definitely covers our imperfections. And most of all, it covers our weaknesses. 
our weaknesses. Now when I read about this verse where Paul is saying, I'm glad that I'm weak. I see that he's able to recognize that in his weakness, he sees God's grace so much more evidently in his life. And I'll close on this, that Job in his, in his tragedy, when you read through the book of Job, everything wrong happened. The worst of the worst happened. And his friends expected him to act normal. The whole book is his friends originally going there to console him, but ended up just talking trash to him the whole time. Why are, you, why are you talking like that, Job? You're acting like your whole family just died. Job, why, why would you say that? You're acting like you just lost everything. Don't you know that God always repays those who have taken from him? Don't you know that God's going to repay? Don't you know that God is good and that, that would never happen? It's probably something you did. Did you doubt God? Is that why this happened to you? Did you were you doubting God's goodness? Is that why all this is happening? And... It's like people just want to kick you when you're down, right? And see, Job was so weak. He talked like he was weak. He thought like he was weak. And it was in that moment, he's been strong all of his life that he was weak. And even though everybody else expected him to just go on like normal, God himself comes down and, and God pretty much calls all of his friends fools. And tells the friends to ask Job to pray for them. I bet Job was like, ah, come on, man. I'm so, I don't want to pray for anybody right now. But the point I'm getting at is that God consistently shows his reaction to our weakness is not what we've expected. Let's pray real quick. Close your eyes. And bow your heads. And if you're here, if you're here right now, and I want to make two kinds of prayers. If you're here, maybe you've not seen God like this, this kind of grace, this kind of love. And you feel this tug on your heart, it's moving in your soul, where you want to make a commitment to experience this kind of relationship with God. You want to see what Jesus is really like. And you want to go down that journey. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand real quick. Amen. Amen. I want you to pray this prayer with me because God makes it so easy. Religion says you have to go and do this. You have to say this. You have to work and show some type of expression to prove that you're really going to commit to Christ. But the book of Romans says it's so easy to start that all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He rose from the dead, that that's all you have to do to start this journey. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to put my trust in You. I've been weak and I have been strong.
but I didn't know I could be weak in front of you. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior to my soul. I believe you died on the cross for me, for my weaknesses, and that you rose from the dead. I put my faith in you because I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to pray for one more thing. If you're here, with every eye closed and head bowed, if you're here and you've been feeling incredibly weak, and you've, maybe you've even been hiding it, but you feel weak and, and you need to just, you need God to talk to you. You need God to do something. Maybe you just need God to sit with you. If that's you in this room, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. So right where you're at, I'm going to pray for you. God, show your love the way it needs to be seen. And with these people that rose their hands, Lord, you knew the way they felt without them having to do anything. And Lord, I believe that you want to sit with them. I believe that you want to talk with them. I believe that, yes, you do want to encourage them, but I also believe that you don't expect them to simply be encouraged. That you are near and close to the brokenhearted. So God, show yourself to them today. Let your presence be upon them right now. And I ask that you just help them with what they're going through. Bring them closer to you through this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.